uh, that's where the glory belongs, amen, is with the Lord. You're acting very timid today, and uh, you're singing timid, and you're amening timid, and so please, this is Flag Sunday, let's, let's act like we've got some patriotic enthusiasm today, amen. and we're grateful. All righty, all right, they're telling me I'm timid to turn my microphone on here, all righty. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles. Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter number 5. And I'm going to read a portion of Scripture for you. Remember, we are doing a series on the family. We're talking about the family unit. We started last week. We're going to continue that today. And the Scripture we read won't seem to fit, but if you'll stay with me, I think we can find the continuity in all of this. Ephesians chapter 5, <coughs> excuse me, we'll look at verse number 1. Ephesians 5 verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given a, himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication... In all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, which is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another, in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Father, help us, I pray, in these moments we spend I ask that you would open your word to us, enlighten it, and cause us, I pray, dear God, today to understand the truth that you're teaching us in this chapter. We'll give you glory for it 
In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Last week, we began with a message called the three R's of reviving a marriage. We talked about the need to remember. We have to remember where we were to be able to determine where we are, how far we have fallen from where we were. We have to remember what it is, what it was that attracted us one to each other. Something brought us to an altar, and it is that initial step of remembering what that was that helps reignite the thing that will bring us back together. We talked about the, the need to repent. Repent needs to turn around. If you continue the direction that you're going in, your destination will not change. The only way that you can change the destination of your marriage is to change the direction of it. And so there has to be a repentance of the things that have happened there. And uh, the, the course that we are presently on, we must reverse direction. Remember, repent, and then there is the thought of returning. Remember that we cannot become the person that we once were. Okay? You, 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 that won't happen. You, you've changed. Okay? You say, preacher, I don't believe that. Then look in the mirror. Uh, you've changed. You'll never be the person that you were back then. But you can do the things that you did back then. It's by doing the first works that, that we come back to the place. The return to the first works is what God is calling for. Remember where you were, who you were. Remember, uh, repent of, of where you're going and return to doing the first works and that brings about a revival in our relationship. Action produces attraction. And so we have to go back to treating each other the way we first did, and loving each other like we first did. Now the passage that we read from this morning, particularly verse 22 down, is probably the most familiar passage in all of the Bible concerning marriage. It's the passage most often used in marriage conferences and, and uh, to encourage people in the home. Most of the time, we begin in dealing with the home with verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Men, amen that verse in a particular way. When re reality is that the more difficult verse, if we'd be honest about it, is later in the chapter where God says, Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. It's a very difficult thing to even comprehend. Now, now the problem is that we're sinners by nature. We didn't just learn to sin. We were born to sin. We were born with a sin nature. And, 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 and it's hard for sinful people to do either. For a wife to submit to her husband or a husband to love his wife, those are, those are deep, deep struggles that have disrupted so many homes and marriages because as a sinner, you're going to find it hard to fulfill that, that commandment that God has given you as a wife or a husband. Now, I want to I say this to you because this is important. The key to you 
fulfilling your assignment as a wife, and the key to you, sir, fulfilling your assignment as a husband is actually found in the preceding verses that we read this morning. Verse 1 through 21. That's where, that's where you find the verses that, that deal with the Christian life. Now listen carefully to what I'm going to say. The key to having a good Christian marriage is having good Christians married. Preacher, how, how can I be a good wife, be a good Christian? Well, Pastor, how can, I be a, how can I be a good husband, be a good Christian? See, if we will, if we will read and yield to the preceding verses, then when we get to verse 22 on down, it, it has established a foundation for us in our relationship with Christ. And that's really the key to our relationship to each other. If I am in tune with and in obedience to Jesus Christ as my Lord, that enables me to fulfill my responsibilities given to me in the rest of the chapter by, by obeying the preceding verses of that chapter. So let's look at these quickly. Could we do that? First of all, we find that if we're going to have if we're going to have a godly marriage, first of all, we are to be separated. Not from each other. Some of you are saying, yes, yes. I came to church and the pastor said, you can separate. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You, you're to come together, but what you're to separate from is the sinful influences and things in the world. That's, that's, look, if you, if you read the opening verses, you're going to see a, a list, a pretty, a pretty stout list of things that we as Christians are not to have in our lives. And then it actually lists by adjective, a, 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 gives a description of sinful people that we are to avoid. And so in the opening verses, God says, don't do this and don't hang with these people. It's a separation factor. Chapter, verse, verse five, let's look in, ver, look in verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now look at me. Listen to me. I can't spend a lot of time here, but I want you to listen to me carefully. Not one single thing listed in the early part of this chapter will enhance your marriage. None. Now, I'm just going to say this, and you can, I mean, if your blood pressure goes up, just breathe deeply, okay? I mean, just help yourself. Because I don't care what people feel. I don't care if they agree with me or not. But I have never known of a single marriage that was enhanced by alcohol. Just don't know one. Don't know one. I don't know anybody that could say, I'll tell you right now, man. I mean, unless one of you is really ugly and you've got to have that, I mean, you know, to numb the, I don't know. I don't know. What, I do know a lot of homes that have been destroyed and wrecked by alcohol. So, so when, when, when you start reading these things, I just want you to listen. It, it, you know, pornography doesn't enhance a, a house. doesn't enhance a marriage. 
The reality of the matter is sinful things in the world, they will not enhance your marriage. They will destroy it. They subtract from it. And so he begins, he begins this chapter by saying, if you want to be right with me, you can't have my hand and the world's hand and, 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 and think that this is going to be a threesome. When, when the Bible says Jesus is our Lord, it means there's some things in our life we let go of. There's a separation there that is, that is, that is necessary uh, because sin subtracts from who God intends us to be. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, listen, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There are things in life that will weigh you down and will drag your marriage to the bottom. Let it go before you sink. Let it go. So there's a separation that has to come in our life. I'm a better husband because I've let some things go in my life. And I, look, I didn't come from a deep bunch of vices. You know that. In my, you, you know my testimony. I was saved early. But I'm just saying there's some things in my life that God has said to me, let it go, son. And, and it's made me, you know what it does? It frees me up to love my wife more. It frees me up to become the person God wants me to be which is better for her, better for my children, better for everybody that's around me. So the world and its sins and all that it has to offer will not enhance you as a person and it will not enhance your marriage. So the foundation, beginning stone of all of this, God says you've got to let go of some things in your life if you want to have a good marriage. Second thing is we're to be spirit-filled. Now if you'll notice there, he, he says in this chapter, as you read on down, that, that we are, uh, verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so he's saying to these people, now look, first thing I want you to know is this. If you want to become what I want, to, want you to become, and if you want to have the marriage that I intend for you to have, get rid of some things in your life that ought not be there. Second thing, now there's a void, Okay. We've gotten rid of things. We've gotten things out of our life. We've cleaned it up. Well, what does that leave? A vacuum. So the picture of a, of a marriage that God is giving here is not two people that have found meaning in each other's arms, two empty, needy people that suddenly run to each other and embrace each other and they find meaning in each other's arms. No, 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 that's two vacuums hugging. You know what that does? That creates a big vacuum. If you're empty and needy, and she's empty and needy, you know what you got? A really empty and needy marriage. So what is assumed... By the time you get to verse 22, you know what's assumed? It is assumed in the writings of the Scripture here that you have separated yourself from some things in the world and that you have filled the void with your relationship with God's Spirit. Empty your life of sin. Fill your life with the Spirit of God. That's exactly what that's teaching. And the only way that you'll ever... The only way that you will ever... Did I run out of the range there, Chad? 
I can keep Chad on his toes here. He thinks I'm going to stay behind the pulpit. I'll run from one side to the other. The entire tens of people watching us just lost me for a moment there. I'm back. Here's the reality of it. Look at me. The, rea- the, reality, the reality is this. You cannot fulfill verse 22 on down. There's no way in the world a wife can, 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 can yield herself as, as, and we'll talk about that in a moment, she can't fulfill that. A husband, there's no way he can love his wife as Christ loved the church unless we're filled with the Spirit of God. You don't have the ability, you don't have the power, you don't have the wherewithal to do that yourself. Only by being filled with the Spirit of God can I become the husband that I'm supposed to be to my wife. Only by her yielding her life and being filled with the Spirit of God can she become the wife that I, that I need in my life. And so the reality of the matter is we're to be separated and we're to be filled with the Spirit of God. How many of you have ever run out of gas? Let me see your hand. You run out of gas. Why'd you do that? A couple of years ago we were on vacation. We were coming back from Lincoln City. My truck, Susie's car, there's a light on it. And when, when it gets low... The light comes on and a little beeper goes off. Beep! You know you're getting low on gas. It's a great warning. Dixie's car doesn't have that. So we're coming back. We're zippity doo don. We're having a great time. Man, everything's good. We're just enjoying it. I ain't hearing no beep. We're all good. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it starts chugging. And I'm like, what in the world? We wound up having to pull off the road hitch a ride to get some gas, you know. It was a mess, you know. How dare her have a car like that? It was Dixie's fault, clearly, even though I was driving. And uh, so, so the reality of the matter is, you know what you have to do? You have to refuel to keep going. And, 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 and that's, that's, such a true, that's such a true illustration. Here, listen, listen. Be filled. Be ye filled. That's what the scripture says. You know what that word is? It's an imperative. It, 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 means, it, it means it's a necessity. Be. Be filled. Wait a minute. Keep being filled. Continue being filled. Go on being filled. That's what it's saying. Just continue every day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Back around on Sunday. Every day. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Keep being filled. Why? Because if you don't keep being filled, you're going to run out of gas. Now, here's the sad thing. If you don't do that, your marriage starts running on fumes, and it's going to spit and sputter. And sooner or later, you're just going to be coasting downhill, but it'll stop sooner or later. So if we're not refueling ourselves spiritually, we're losing, we're losing the, the ability, the source from which our marriages and our lives gain forward motion. Be filled with the Spirit. My relationship with Susie depends so much on my relationship with the Lord. And so does yours with your spouse. Third of all, we're to be singing. So we're to be separated... You, these are all easy to remember. We're to be spirit-filled. Third of all, we're to be singing. Say, well, Pastor, 
It must be torture at your house. It is, and I love it. I'm going to tell you right now, I sing. When the girls were young, George will tell you, I used to go in their room and sing. They got up quickly. I mean to tell you, they would get up quickly when I would sing. I would on purpose let my voice crack and, and, uh, and uh, you know, flutter. And it was, it, I, they didn't enjoy it, but I was having a great time. I, but that's not the kind of singing I'm talking about. You know what the singing is that's given here? It's not a song, it's not a song that, that, uh, that talks about the favorable circumstances of life. You know why? Because those fluctuate, don't they? Your circumstances will fluctuate. And if your song is about the circumstances of life, it's going to be up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. You know what you call that? Country music. But anyhow, uh, I'm just saying that's really what, uh, that's really, is not, I mean, you know, you, things are really, really good and really, really bad, you know. And, and so um, that's not what he's talking about. It, it, notice it says singing and making melody in our hearts unto the Lord. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So what kind of song, and, and it's in our heart, what kind of song is he really talking about here? He's talking about a song of thanks. A song of praise. A song of rejoicing. Psalm 30, 40, verse 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Now listen to this next statement. Many shall see it and fear, trust in the Lord. David said, God's put a new song in my heart. People are going to see that song. What is he talking about? We live our lyrics. We live our lyrics in front of people. It doesn't mean you have to go around singing, to God be the glory. We don't have to do that. But our life ought to give God the glory. Can I ask you a question? Um, in all these troubled days, what, what, what's your song? What is your song? Come on, be honest now. Just, just, just to yourself. Why don't you be honest to yourself? Discouragement, panic, fear, trouble, anger. No, no, I know exactly what I believe and why I believe it. But my God is still on the throne, and I want my song to tell every single person that looks at the lyrics that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is our hope. God, help us not to grow silent, my dear friend. And God, help us not to let the world write the lyrics for our song. Let's sing it loud and clear by the way that we live, that our God is alive, that our God is, is on the throne. Though man may have lost his grip on reality, God has not. And let's sing it. It's important that we are... You know what it is? Look, look at me. Listen to me. Listen. He, it, David said he put a new song in my heart. Paul, Paul said, you know, psalms and hymns are spiritual songs. Singing and making melody. That, I, that word melody, that's a pleasant word. Making melody in our hearts to the Lord. So, come on, if you're a child of God, there ought to be a song in your heart and a smile on your face. We ought to be different. Don't let the news media depress you. I said it earlier when we were under lockdown. Turn it off. Okay? Just turn it off. You don't have to watch it all day long. Some of you that spend half your day on Facebook, it's as bad as the news media. I just, look, 
just, just enjoy who God is and, and, and don't let the world beat you down. Fourth of all, we're to be submissive. Now notice what it says there. Now it's fixing to get down now. I mean, we're, we're fixing to jump right into the, right into the marriage. But, but notice, notice what he says. Um, notice what he says in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Nobody gets excited about that, do they? Hey, first of all, before we get into the responsibility of the wife and the husband, let me talk to both of you as Christians. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. There, there is a submission that, that is essential part of good marriage, and, and we are to be yielded to each other. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There's an authority and a power my wife has over me that I must yield to because she's my wife. Read 1 Corinthians 7. God gave her power over me when we got married. So it's not just a one-way thing where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm George of the jungle. No, 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 that's not it at all. The reality of the matter is there's a lot of things in life that we are to be mutually submitted in. You know why? Because submission is a Bible principle. Um, our problem is we think it's a derogatory term. We think it means humiliation. It doesn't. It means humility. And, and the reason for that is submission uh, indicates strength, not weakness. Submission in the Bible uh, is voluntary, not mandatory. It's created by will, not by force or intimidation. So you can't intimidate your wife uh, and, and have true submission. Submission, listen, submission always, biblically, always has to be by choice. Even our submission to our Father and calling Him Lord is never by force. It's always by choice. It's the it's the volition that God gives us. I'm giving you a free volition. You can obey or not. Submission is when we choose to obey. And I'm just simply saying that, that, that we view it in, in such a different attitude. Um, um, uh, Philippians 2.3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but listen, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, <clears throat> That come on, <clears throat> excuse me. That doesn't mean that you're to consider someone else better than you in every area. <clears throat> excuse me. That doesn't make sense. Okay, if 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 um, uh, Max has done some electrical work, let's say Max stands up and he says, "You know what? Uh, uh, Pastor is a much better electrician than I will ever be." That's not true. That's ridiculous. That's why he came over to my house and helped me with my electrical work. I, the reality of the matter is, I, I, he doesn't consider me, or shouldn't, a better. But what it means is that 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 we put each other's needs above our own. That, that my desires and and the things that I have need of should take secondary place to to the interest of someone else. It's not that I consider you better than me in an area, but I consider you more important than me. Submission. There's a, there's a humility that God wants in our life. Romans 12, 10, 
Be, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, listen, in honor preferring one another. Boy, would that solve a lot of things in marriage. In honor preferring one another. Now that brings me to my last point. I'm going to tie a knot in it, but I want you to hear me well. Because we've talked about things we must do to have a, 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 a good Christian marriage. We've got to be separated, okay? We've got to be spirit-filled. We, we have to be singing. We have to be submissive people. If I'm running around all the time wanting to get my way and I, bless God is my way or the highway, that's not a good Christian attitude. That runs people off. You ever met people that were so type A personalities that the whole world could drop dead if they wanted to, but bless God, they were getting what they wanted. And it's called ambition but it's, it's, it's really carnality. I'm going to run over people, step on people, do whatever i got to do to get my way because I'm number one. Well, that's, that's, a sad, that's, a, that's a sad way to live. But what we're not to be, therefore, is self-centered. We're talking about having a good marriage. Separated. Okay. We're, 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 we're to be... Spirit-filled, we're to be singing, we're to be submissive. The one thing that all of this teaches us is that we're not to be self-centered. Now, can I say this to you now? I just really want us to draw our minds together for just the next few moments. Listen to me. The ever-present enemy in every marriage is self-centeredness. That kills more marriages, destroys more relationships, puts more space between individuals than any other thing that I know of. It's it's a self-centeredness, and it it causes, listen, when you are self-centered, you always, with no exception, if you're self-centered, you always assert yourself. That's what self-centeredness is all about. And it makes you blind to your own faults and selfish ways. And at the same time, it makes you hypersensitive to the self-centered ways of others around you. And it eats away to marriage. Here's what happens. Two people get married. Man, this is great. A marriage. I love it. Beautiful wedding. Wasn't it great? Our friends were there. Wonderful. Son, just a few months down the road, guess what? She finds out that Mr. Perfect is selfish. He's selfish. I do that. I can't believe it. He was so handsome. He said the right things. We ate at the best restaurants. He took me out. This is great. He wooed me. He said the sweetest things to me. You know what? You know what I found out? He's selfish. Now the shocking thing is, he is making his own discovery that princess is selfish herself. So now you got two people, both of them selfish, and both of them accusing the other one of being selfish. So you got two selfish people absolutely, absolutely offended and incensed 
at the growing selfishness they see in each other. And the marriage is, unless something happens, it's, it's, it's just doomed for trouble. Now, 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 stay with me. Listen to me carefully. It's, here's an economic lesson. Let me help you with this. This is brilliant. I mean, really. Took me a while to figure this one out, Joe. Took me a little while to get to this, okay? But I got it. I got this down. Here it is. Ready? You can't spend what you don't have. That took me a while, Carolyn, I'm telling you. You can't spend what you don't have. So if you don't have grace and forgiveness and love by being, remember the verse that preceded, spirit-filled, then you don't have nothing to withdraw when you're not feeling loved and your mate's treating you in a way that doesn't make you feel real love. So you know what you do? You just react rather than respond. You're selfish. You're not spirit-filled. And so all that you can respond to them with is your own selfish diatribe of arguments and complaints rather than responding with grace from the Spirit forgiveness from the Spirit, love from the Spirit, you who are selfish, draw from your selfish account, and so you've got a big selfish argument going on in your, in your life. We're sinners by nature. And so we inherently, we're inherently selfish when we enter the world, and unless we become spirit-filled, that's all we've got to give. Okay? You know, another reason why people respond selfishly is because they've been wounded. I want you to listen to me carefully on this. I'm, 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 I'm going to the end of this, so just stay with me. People respond selfishly because they've been wounded. Something happened. Something happened. They, 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 they pack their bags and they walk into their, their marriage and, and they have a history of mistreatment in that luggage. They, they have suspicion in that luggage. Um, th- there's no trust, for the most part, in that luggage. And, and because of that, the essential things for marriage aren't with them. But, but in that luggage that they've brought into their marriage from their childhood, there's, there's wounds that were caused by parents that were emotionally abusive maybe even physically abusive, betrayal by former lovers or spouses. Hey, I've been betrayed. I've got it in here. This happened. My parents told me I were good for nothing. My mate broke my heart and betrayed me. And sooner or later, at some point when conflict comes, those bags are unpacked. And we react by memory. My mother told me thus and thus. My dad, my dad never, not once did he ever. And we fill in the blanks. Yeah, that's exactly what my former wife said. That's what my husband, that's, that's what he did to me. That's what she did to me. So, Our memory betrays us, 
And we actually take things that other people have done to us and we attribute it to a present relationship. And that's, by, that's why wounded people deeply struggle with having a spirit-filled marriage because they're bearing their scars and rather than responding with grace and forgiveness they're reacting with anger and with resentment now you have to confront it I want you to look at me and listen to me listen carefully you are not selfish because of what somebody else did to you. That is not true. It's just not true. You were selfish the day you were born. When a doctor swatted you on your rear end and you started squalling, you were a selfish person right then. And you remain selfish the rest of your life until you get right with God, you establish relationship, and allow the Spirit of God to fill your life and make your life more about Jesus than about you. I'm not saying that people don't do things in your life that aggravate your selfishness. I'm saying that it's time to stop pointing fingers at people in your life and saying, I am how I am because my mama. No, 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 no. Well, I know you had a bad past, but you have a choice. I've talked with grown men that broke down and sobbed because of their dad. I never lived that. So I'm not professing to understand that. I'm just simply saying that until we confront our own selfishness, we're never going to be able to live a spirit-filled life with somebody in our life that we are to truly embrace as God wants us to embrace them. We can't, we can't blame others. So, the reality is the greatest sin in the world, the essence of all sin, is living for self. That's what Satan did in Isaiah 14. That's what's described of him. He said, I will. Jesus said, let me sum the law up with two commandments. Love God, love others. He summed it all up by simply love God and love others. Now, I'm going to close, but I want you to look at me. Listen to me. We haven't even talked wives submit, husbands love. Because that's, that's, that. That cannot happen until the foundation of the earlier verses are understood and embraced and we become spirit-filled Christians who think more of Jesus than we think of ourselves. Now, now here's the thing. You're the only person that has the key to your self-centeredness. I can jiggle the door but it won't open. My key fits my door. You're the only person that has access into who you are as a wife or who you are as a husband. 
And I, you know what I want? I want my life with my wife to be spirit-filled and pleasing to God. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to live out the years of my life for Dean. I like to live my life for the Lord God and for the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person that he's given me to live with. I hope that's your, your prayer. Let's bow our heads. Could we do that? Heads bowed and eyes closed. It begins with the Lord, and it spills over into the home, the marriage. You got this thing mastered? Nope. I'm working on it. I want to become the person he intends for me to become. Confront it. Admit it. Ask God to fill you with his spirit allow you grace, forgiveness, and love that was not yours when you entered this world. But it can be yours when you enter a relationship of yieldedness to God's Spirit. Your happiness will come when you seek the happiness of your mate. says, well, you know, if, if I live for their happiness, what do I get? Happiness. That's what you get. You, you don't become happy because you, you're, you're trying to make yourself happy. You become happy by making other people happy, and especially your mate. That's, that's where true happiness becomes. It comes through making, when you live for the happiness of the other person, what you don't realize is by doing that, you're actually making yourself happy. I pray that God will help us to see that.